I'm uh, with Mary Jufra. Hi, Mary. Hi, Serge. So, Mary, you've been first and foremost a couples therapist. You're also a very enthusiastic proponent and teacher of SE. How how do the two work together? Oh, it's a beautiful marriage. SE and couples work is the ideal marriage. Because when you think about the couple relationship, the essence of a couple relationship occurs in the body. You're attracted to someone, you're physically attracted, you're emotionally attracted. Um, it's all in the body. And much of the relationship is bodily kind of relationships. What it brings up are early developmental issues as well as current issues. So SE is just the most natural vehicle to integrate into couples work. Yeah. So interesting what we're, you know, what you're saying implicitly is that um, this is something where you are integrating SE to the way you have been working in couples and what's happening is a certain the integration is at the level of that opening that SE gave you not so much necessarily about trauma but about sensing and tracking and working with body absolutely absolutely I think that SE was the missing piece and also trauma was another missing piece um, or there was a sense of knowing about trauma as an issue, but not the, the re- very refined, detailed, precise way of responding to it in, in a person's and in a couple's mm-hmm. um, relationship. So, for instance, what would be indicators of trauma in couples' work? Okay, well, there are three red flags that I've developed mm-hmm. um, that indicate either developmental trauma, you know, early attachment, or any kind of early developmental trauma, autonomy issues, uh, various developmental issues, or situational trauma, war, accidents, etc. Um, and the three red flags are, one, when you have a couple coming in and they have very repetitive styles of relating, they kind of, they always have the same fight. Um, she always overfunctions and he always underfunctions. Or he overfunctions at work and she underfunctions in another area. That it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's not flexible and changing. Or the third repetitive style that I see is that they have an excessive focus on the children. Mm-hmm. So some couples spend a great deal of time in conflict, you know, in couples' conflict. And the, and the, the conflicts are very predictable. You know, you, you can really predict when they're going to happen or what the, the key words are and the triggers and so on. Yeah, yeah. The over and under functioning, it's she's depressed today, he's depressed tomorrow. Well, that's fine. She's working, overworking today, he's overworking tomorrow. That's fine. Um, and the excessive focus on children. Mm-hmm. Well, this year the focus is on Johnny, and next year it's Tommy. And this year she overfunctions a little, and next year he does. If there's flexibility, resiliency, and um, change, then it's kind of normal. We all deal with the issues that way by over and under functioning, through conflict, 
through excessive focus on children sometimes, but it, but not always the same child and not the only way of functioning. So those are, when you see these repetitive styles, they get more and more rigid. Right. Like with trauma, you, your world limits get smaller and smaller because the trauma just takes over so much of your life. Yeah. Same thing with couples. So that would be a big red flag. Right. When you have very repetitive styles of relating. And, and you can have repetitive styles of relating that can change with education. So if you talk with people about it and they understand it and they learn that, well, perhaps the reason we fight a lot or we focus on the children or I'm always under-functioning is because I was raised in a family where that took place. And I kind of learned. That was the role, the role my role models taught me that. But if it's not in the body, in the body, well, it's always in the body, but if you can change it with education, then it may not be any particular trauma in this, this, um, at this period. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, but if education and talking about it and explaining it doesn't change it and it keeps coming back, same repetitive, you know, the couples that you feel frustrated or the change doesn't seem to occur, or, that's when big red flag for trauma should come up. Right, right. So so and, yeah, so so that's really recognizing that something like this when people are locked into roles when there is a difficulty in changing it and understanding it through insight, then really that we're dealing with something that's traumatic. Exactly. Exactly. Um and then the next one is recurring patterns of um, again, repetition is always the key mm-hmm. with trauma. It's like we're no longer free to be resilient and spiritual and open and free. We, we're locked into very repetitive patterns because we're stuck and haven't, you know, worked through um, expressing that those physiologic unfinished that physiologic unfinished business. Mm-hmm. So we're living it. For example, repetitive and recurring patterns of pursuing one another or distancing from one another um, one partner pursues emotionally and the other partner distances emotionally she says do you love me and he said I just built a new terrace what's you know isn't that love mm-hmm. and um, and that can be cultural but when you explore you do the educational piece and it still remains then you know it's deep yeah um, so so emotionally or physically, sexually, it's always the same partner who pursues sexually or the same partner who distances sexually or intellectually or any other way. So I use Saibam and you think of the sensation piece in terms of recurring pattern. She always has a headache. Well, she's distancing through sensation. It's kind of um, a bit of a sensation flight response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you think of image. Okay, when she moves towards him, he sees his all-present, overwhelming mother. And I think about Woody Allen. Remember that movie uh, where there was this huge breast and it kept <laughs> getting larger and larger in the sky and poor Woody Allen couldn't get right. away from it. You call that? <laughs> so that's what I mean about an image. Right. Woody Allen had quite the image of that, for that. So we got that sensation image. You, know, you keep hearing those same kind of images. Um, or versions of them. Uh, behavior. Okay, here you want to observe and experience personally. It's very, very important that you experience, you the therapist, experience in your own body 
what's going on when they do that. Yeah, I had a man in earlier today, and he's getting divorced from his wife, and um, I had seen them both as a couple way back, and she just didn't want to work on the relationship or any or on herself or change, just her choice, and he did. So um, they're, they're getting a very kind of healthy divorce. It seems that way. They're still can connect with one another. There's not a lot of animosity. A lot of what he used to do that triggered her so he's worked on. Um, and so he's talking about how he's going to tell his friends about that they're getting divorced because people don't know it. They'll be shocked. They, they don't, they're not conflictual or anything. So as he told me the first time, my reaction was kind of, I was just sort of distance, and I explained that to him. And he, the next time around, he came from a more embodied place, and he said um, to me, I was the friend, um, kind of role-playing, and he said, uh, I have something really sad to tell you. And my whole response was different. Mm. Whole interaction around that was different. First, he was coming kind of more intellectually, so that was great learning for him. But it was what was going on in my body was how I realized the way he presented it. Yeah, and I shared that with him. So at the end of it, he felt much more comfortable about approaching his friends, and and even as I said to him in that role, it kind of felt like well, maybe we can get together and talk the four of us. Um, she and her husband and he, this fellow who's getting divorced and his wife, they're really not, not adversarial. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for finances. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's what I'm trying to say. So the therapist has to really be very much in her own body and feel what's going on as they do their dance. So, so I want to, to, that's a variable. I want to highlight something there that feels very, um, uh, very important in a way uh, that th- about the integration you have of SE with your training and experience in couples therapy. The issue itself that you're describing, that recurring pattern of um, distance, uh, is something that you knew about and uh, would have dealt with in your previous life of focusing on couples therapy and systems and, uh, you know, these issues. And uh, what is happening now and what you're describing is how the way of dealing with it is enriched by the perspective you have gained from SE, both in terms of paying attention to Saibam and in terms of paying attention to what's happening in the resonance of the therapist. Absolutely. it has. It's really the body. I mean, it's just such a gift to realize that the body is the richest database of all. I mean, our bodies are such, they're so wise and they're such a rich database. So no matter what therapy you do, it just I think it's transformative. If you're a group therapist, you use different theory than individual, but just knowing your own body and feeling that field and the, the, the organi- organismic body of your group is transformative. Yeah. So too with couples, when you're the couple becomes a system, and you can feel that in your own body, and then because you are part of that, so you're in it, and yet not of it, so that you're 
you can sense and feel what's going on in your own body, and that's very rich data for you to have, and how you use it is a clinical judgment. Yeah. But you do have it, and that's the important thing. It's just so much richer database. So, so again, for somebody who is trained in, um, in doing individual therapy in SE, and where there is uh, this very close connection, this attunement with the client, it may seem a little difficult at first to imagine that you can have some of that quality while dealing with a couple. So how do you actually work with a couple in that SE spirit? It's very, very important to recognize that working with couples and couples therapy is not a matter of adding two individuals. It's kind of... A couple is more than and different from the sum of its parts. Just like you can't add a mind and a body and a spirit and get a person. A person is one organism. You can't add Charlie and Joe or Charlie and Jane and get one organism. Once they're together, it's its own system with its own norms, its own way of operating, its own way of contracting, its own way of expanding. So it's very, very important conceptually to recognize that two individuals does not a couple mm-hmm. make. Mm-hmm. And as a therapist, if you come, and that's why it's important to really be trained in working with couples and to understand that the theory for working with couples is very different from individual theory. And so if you're working with a couple and you're using individual theory, you you go, uh, you may be getting allied with one and not the other. So if you how that's manifested is if you think of good guys and bad guys, well, she's nice and he's awful. You are caught and you're not seeing them as a system. It's kind of like saying this is a bad heart and a good liver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> so um, you really have to observe and experience the dynamics Rather than seeing them separate, separate and allying with one or the other, that, that's an individual way of operating. It's not a couple's way of operating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just like in group therapy, it's the same thing. They have their own theory and their own experience, a lab experience working with couples to learn what it feels like and the differences. So too with couples. You just don't say, I'm a couples therapist because I decided to. Right. You have to get trained in it and you really need to understand the theory as well as um, the experience. The experience is so much feeling, you know, that sensation. It's sort of, you know, I'm doing biodynamic uh, therapy, and I it's just what you feel, and SE touch as well, what you feel in your body. You can Certain things you just sense and feel with that physical organism. That's what I mean. It takes time to do it. So you have to have experience working with couples and being, you know, talking with people about it and getting supervision about it to begin to feel more confident in what we mean by the couple as a system. So in, 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 at the level of a session, when you're dealing with a couple, um, mm-hmm. you know, how is it that you can work in an SE way with a couple? Could you maybe give some examples of what happens? Sure. Um, Joe will come in and he'll start to raise his voice at something. And then I can look, and Jane, you can just see her eyes glaze over, and she pulls back a little bit, 
will immediately, you know, that she's going to go into a freeze. Mm -hmm. She's distancing. You could say she's distancing, but she's also looking like she's going to go into a freeze. So just like with, even if he's doing all the talking, you know, he's online now talking, but you, with your other IC Jane, sort of freeze out or zone out a little bit. You say, Joe or Charlie or whatever his name is, listen, I'll be right back with you. Just a second. Just can you hang in with that for a while? And you go, and Jane, what's going on? How are you doing? I might, um, depending on my relationship and what's going on, I might put a hand on Jane's shoulder to kind of, might or try to make eye contact, or just say what's going on mm-hmm. to bring her back. And it may be that's still hard. Well, then, you know, I might say to her, Jane, h- how did the kids make out with that soccer tournament? Immediately she'll go into her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what yep. I mean? But it's yep. like just to get her from not going back into that freeze. And then in my head, um, I, I know I need to explore that a little bit. So I'll say, Joe, I'll be back to you. Um, hold on a second. I'll see Joe. What just happened? I noticed you were sitting, you were very intent, and then all of a sudden you kind of backed up and your eyes went, what are you, what are you experiencing right now? Mm-hmm. And then she'll sort of um, try to get her back into her body first. And once you get her back into her body, to the present, you kind of do what you do in SE. You track, and you get the prodromal and the pre-prodromal in time. You know, first you get her into a body, just like you with a, it's, you get her out of her dorsal vagal and you make eye contact, get her into ventral vagal and you may even spend some time with them in ventral vagal and um, and try to he may put his hand on her shoulder or might, he may not because his raising his voice may trigger her so much that that would be more true mm-hmm. and of course over time you will explore it and it's her father would raise her voice and you know but all the the um, neural patterning that she has from a childhood with her father or brother, whoever would raise their voice. And so you try to work with repatterning that the way, same way as you do an SE and helping her to work through the old, you know, the flight response that, you know, what would you want to do? You know, she would want, when, when, when Joe raises his voice, what do you do? I want to run, run, run. We'll run. You know, will you go through the SE running? Yeah. And so Joe sits there. And what's helpful about all this is that Joe begins to realize it's not about him directly. In, in, I mean, it's really old trauma from the past that needs to be processed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and so Joe is a little off the, not as much on the spot. So, so that that example is very rich, and there's a lot in it, and maybe uh, want to spend a moment to unpack some of it. Um, that what you're talking about is okay in lots of ways. It's the same as working uh, in SC individually, except instead of having just one client, you're monitoring each client and the system. And the system at the same time, yes. And so it may be that one person, he's you need to, as you would in SC, if you're working in SC and you see someone going into a freeze, mm-hmm. You know, what would you do? Well, it's the same kind of thing with the system. Right. You know, you would, you would try to do the same thing to try to get 
out of dorsal and interventional. Right, right. So that's why, in a way, it's not so much that, as you were talking with Joe, you're interrupting yourself, but since you're working actually with the system, you're going to bring resources where the system needs it. Exactly. And if Jane is in freeze, that's where you're going to to go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's really, just as you were with an individual, Mm -hmm. you know, you have somebody there and they say, well, we're talking about the automobile accident, and then they said, oh, and also, um, I almost drowned when I was young, and, and there was also this, well, you don't deal with all of them. You you go to, you know what I mean, you triage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with a couple. You have to triage. You have to be continually triaging to, to go with, with, you know, you go for the dorsal first. You, you don't go off to activate the system more. Now, if he kept going on about that and I woke at him about his anger and all, she would go deeper and deeper and deeper. This is not good for that organism. He may feel terrific, mm-hmm. but it's not good for the organism. So that's what I mean about the difference between individual and couples. It would be great for him to keep going on there with his anger and express it and all. She would have been, the rest of the system would have frozen right. more and more and more. So that's kind of almost pumping up a heartbeat. Um while something else is frozen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's so very clear that the patient is a system, and that's yes. where your guide is for where to intervene. Is to what extent is it going to help the system as a whole, as opposed to there is trauma here and I have to go there. But you look at the picture of the system to orient. Right. Right. And it's kind of similar to the old days with trauma, the, the not SE days. People, you know, therapists get excited. They hear, oh, this happened and this happened and they go for it all. Yeah. That overloads the system. Well, the same thing with couples. If one partner is doing work that's overloading the system, you need to slow it down. Yeah. It may be okay for that partner's nervous system. That one, but it may not be okay for the other partner's nervous system. So you kind of have to realize about how those two nervous systems interact. It's kind of as if you had a strong circulatory system and a weak neurologic system or some such thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of that same, just that notion of the organism. Mm-hmm. The couple is an organism. Yeah. Yeah, so that comes out very clear as you're saying it here. And I think another thing that comes up is implicitly what you're talking about is the role of the therapist as a container. Absolutely. I think the most important thing in couples' work, I find it all the time, when I see couples getting very, very activated, um, I will calm myself even more. As you would with an individual, I just ground and get into my body. And ideally, I would see it coming, like they wouldn't get that, because I would feel the, the rev up before it happened, generally. And so as in this process of a revving up, I would go more and more, get calmer and calmer and calmer, and sit with them, even if they were very upset. And if I could stay really, really centered, focused, creating a, a calm container, it was, it's miraculous to see what happens. Their process is transformed. It's almost alchemical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that as you contain them, just very much like SE body work, um, as Kathy teaches it, or um, biogenamic, uh, Franklin Sills Biogenamic Craniosacral Therapy, which I graduated from, is the same thing. It's like you, as you contain it and hold it in this space, spaciousness, in this really spacious container, it transforms by itself. You don't have to do anything. You just have to contain it. The wisdom of the body knows what to do, but it needs a container. As when children 
you know, when events occur, our bodies knew what to do, but the environment, because of their con- programming, constricted and moved in on our natural instinctive responses. Yeah. And didn't allow them. Whereas animals, nobody moves in on the instinctive responses unless they're too civilized or too <laughs> domesticated. And they just, their body does what they need to do. So you, if you can hold that kind of a field, it's so healing. And and even when they're getting activated, just like you have um, a baby that gets hysterical and, and you just very calmly hold the baby. And, uh, 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 well, the same thing with a couple. You see that same dynamic. You know, they, they you see that same. <gasps> and if you can stay really calm, you can see. <gasps> and that's really teaching their nervous system how to handle it, which their parents didn't do for them yeah. way back when. Yeah. So, so I think that's probably the most, the two mo- most important issues. I think are the field that you speak about, that just that that energy field that you create, that calmness in your own body, that tuning into the, the larger field and the resourcing of that larger field. I mean, that's what the really ultimate resource is, is um, that field. Babies, we don't tell babies to look at the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just create that field. Or young children, you create the field. So the field is just so, so, so important. And trust in the body's wisdom of knowing what to do to resolve issues. So, as we're talking about the importance of that presence, of that skilled presence of the the therapist, um, you know, how do you, what do you do in training, teaching people to to do SE, uh, integrative couples therapy? Well, a lot of, when when I talk with people, I'll say, okay, when they they mention a couple, so uh, I'll in our supervision session, I will, again, the field there is quite important. And I'll stay, contain them. You know what I mean? The, the supervisee as they explore. And so when I see them get treated, I say, okay, what just happened with you? You know, what, what is it like to sit with this couple? Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be with this couple? Let's just go back, just feel yourself in the room with them and sort of teach them to do that. And in group, of course, it's easier because you have the whole group, mm-hmm. you know, and the group is part of that whole. So it's really continually um, increasing their awareness of, of what's going on inside themselves and their bodies as instruments, you know, instruments of healing and containment, and then teaching them to experience what it's like with other being in the room with, with couples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they get triggered in the same kind of a way, you know, he does this, she does that, and it takes the therapist back. So, you know, we all know that. But it's even more intense with a, a couple relationships, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, maybe in conclusion, would you say a little bit about what it's been like for you to integrate, you know, these different Trainings are very so important. These different approaches are very so important in your life. Couples, systems, NSC. Um, well, you know, I began as a labor and delivery nurse, and I taught labor and delivery in, at NYU in graduate school. And the missing piece was there was so much going on with the couple that I didn't know about. I knew about the mother and the wife, and I knew about the husband, but I didn't know about the interactive piece. And... Um, 
So that's how I got into systems in the first place. I thought there's something going on here, and I don't have any theory to explain it. And so I, you know, started studying trained at Ackerman and Center Family Learning and um, was on the faculty and supervisor for about 14 years at the Center for Family Learning. And in that, it was just developing that sense of understanding couples and understanding... The other thing that I learned a great deal about was intergenerational trauma. Um, you know, we do a genogram with everyone who comes into the room. And a lot of times when you have triangles, and we're all in triangles, mother, father, baby, mm-hmm. child. But when people operate using those triangular communication patterns, it's very, you know, overclose mother, distant father, and you, you track it over generations. That's usually a red flag, which I didn't mention to you, for um, real red flag for intergenerational trauma. Whenever you have a really intense triangles, you can predict a great deal of intergenerational trauma. You know, like um, alcoholism is is a triangle, but the triangle is with an object. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Husband, the wife, and, and the booze. So the booze is the object. It's the third leg of the triangle, but it's kind of an immovable one. That's usually intergenerational trauma back someplace. Um, trauma where the father's always distant, the mother is over close. Again, intergenerational trauma. So that understanding triangles and understanding pursuing and distancing and how you have to follow and this is really inside bomb. This is you know, we talked about sensation, we talked about image. This is really the beha- and we know about affect. Um, but this is the behavior piece. Every time one part of Jane moves toward Joe, Joe distances. Um, and Jane moves, pursues more, and Joe distances more. And the more she asks him how he feels, the further away he goes. Well, that's an important thing to look at that dance and to understand what what's the intensity between behind Jane's pursuit. Because if some, you move towards someone and they distance... You know, an animal will move away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why do we keep pushing? Whether it's a sexual pursuit, an emotional pursuit, an intellectual pursuit. If someone gives a message that they're distancing, that means they need space. So if you're not giving them space, it's because something going on inside you. Yeah. You know. So that I did learn, and um, and sometimes it was trauma. We didn't have the the refinement in dealing with it that SE gave me. SE has helped me to go deeper inward in dealing with it I could I learned how to go out into the extended family and to the intergenerational trauma but moving in on the individual SE has really helped that to the very specificity has been incredible and really getting you deeply into the body so I found that so so important that and one of the rules is never pursue a distancer whether it's a teenager or a partner Mm -hmm. when somebody when somebody distances from you, it's better to distance twice as far mm. before give them space. They're saying, "I need space," and space is so important to define oneself. Yeah. So, so, so that was important learning, and and the um, the triangles, which is intergenerational trauma. Um, also, the idea of the system that sometimes you'll have a couple in. One does all the emoting for the system, and the other one does all the thinking for the system. So she's the feeler, and he's the thinker. Well, that's not functional for either one. You know, that's a system that's over and under functioning. That that was something I learned. And the the meaning, again, back to our side bomb. Mm-hmm. 
every time he takes a business trip, she has a connection, then you got to explode. What is the meaning of this business trip? This is not just a business trip. This is other trauma that's somehow embedded in this business trip that needs to be un- unpacked, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that was the systems piece, and um, and I did do body work. I, I trained in core energetics, but it, it was um, focusing a lot on emotions. And for my systems work was more biologically based. And so the, the notion in systems work, at least Bolinian, was that you don't ever overload the system. So to go more and more into emotions is not useful for the body. So I knew that. And so the, the core energetics at the time was, you know, after the 60s and 70s, all the cathartic. It just didn't fit in with my family systems, but it did get me into the body. Yeah. So somatic experiencing, though, fit like a hand in a glove with systems. Great. Because it's so respectful of the... Um, the need to to really slow down and to respect the body's own operating style and not to override and not to push, but to contain and hold. So it feels just like such a, a, a natural marriage to mm. that that it, personally I, I I really love the uh, the the addition of SE. It's added so much to my practice and to my pleasure in my practice. How's that? Because Great. I experience working with clients and couples on such a deeper, deeper level that um, it's really very satisfying. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.